0: So, I want to uh, open up this teaching. So, we're talking about the role of the prophet within the five-fold ministry. And so, I'm going to touch a little bit on prophecy itself. But the main part of this teaching is going to focus on the prophet within church leadership. Sidebar, to starting out that way. I have kind of been working on this for like the past six months, I guess. Where God took me on a journey because Mm -hmm. he sat me down in the way that he does. He said, you are quenching the spirit. You're not prophesying when you should because you're afraid and you're not researching something because you're relying on other people to tell you what to think. Mm -hmm. So I sat down and said, oh, okay. So I got my big old strong confidence and I just started reading. And I'm really excited because I feel like this teaching is just like the result of me going with God and just having him teach me from the word. I started in the Old Testament and I worked my way through the New Testament. I just studied and it's really cool. So this is kind of just what I found in scripture, not relying on past experiences that I had that were both good and bad and just being like, what? God, what did you you design with the prophet? What did you want? How did you want it to work best? And this is what I found. So there's some things that I really like, and then there's things that I had to kind of swallow and be like, okay, it's in the Word. I have to share it because it's in the Word. I might not know exactly how I feel about it right now, but it's in the Word, and I can't deny it. So I'll point out some of those things, which would be really good. So this is just, I have scripture for a lot of things. We're not going to read every single scripture, but I'm going to reference what I got them from so you can write it down and find out for yourself because I want you guys to have kind of the same journey that I did of finding it out for yourself. Don't rely on me. Do the work yourself. Have God show you and lead you because it's a wonderful experience. I walk away from this whole thing feeling humbled and like, awestruck with how big God is and what he has planned and what he has designed because it works a lot better when we do what he wants (laughs) and it's just so cool so to give you a summary of what I hope you will walk away from with this is that at the end of this teaching you will be able to identify and know because I've established it through biblical examples how a prophet working within an appointed office should interact edify and build up the surrounding church body. As you guys know, we're talking about the fivefold ministry. We've got those scriptures that talk about the apostle, the teacher, the prophet, the gifts and helps, and so that's Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. He says the same thing in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps governments, diversities of tongues. That's what we've been kind of, you're going to hear these scriptures pretty much every time we talk on this subject. Which is great. What I want to reiterate to you guys, everyone has these gifts readily available to them. And God freely distributes them. But there are some who are going to be operating because God has designed it to operate as a prophet, as an evangelist. That doesn't make anybody higher than another person because God freely gives and he freely wants you to operate in these gifts. So it's not, let me pigeonhole myself. It's God will use everyone as creatively and individualistically as he so chooses. So I want to do a quick overview Of the gift of prophecy versus the office of the prophet so that we're all on the same page moving forward because they get used a lot interchangeably but there is kind of a difference of what the intended purpose Mm. at the end of it is the gift of prophecy is supposed to edify and build up the church through visions words of encouragement words of knowledge the whole point is to encourage and comfort the body that's words of encouragement that's prophecy and how God does that is through the body that's normally, you know, on at Saturday evening during worship. We have gifts. We have songs. Those are prophetic. Amen. Don't you always feel better after you receive those? Those are encouragement. You're building up so you can go out. Amen. That's how gift of prophecy works, to build up and go out. So the prophet in the fivefold helps establish the vision and is constantly hearing direction from God on how to make this vision happen on a moment-by-moment basis. Mm. They assess every new idea and decision to see if it aligns with what God is saying and what He wants to do, and brings necessary correction to realign individuals and the church with that intended vision and purpose. It's kind of like, GPS, we're headed here. We took a wrong turn. Let's get back on track. They never lose focus of where we're headed. Mm. which is really cool. There is so much scripture everywhere because prophets are in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I have examples from both so you guys can see where this role of the prophet is operating within leadership. That's the specific. We could talk about prophets roaming. We could talk about them on a one-on-one <laughs> basis, but this is how they operate within the church body mm. and how God wants them to interact with the church body. That's our focus here. So the Hebrew definition of prophecy, because I'm all about Strong's Concordance and finding what does, word studies are so important. They give life to words. I love it. The English language is so lame. It really is because it fails to fully unpack. So the Hebrew word for prophecy, and that's the Old Testament, the one that's most used is Numbers 2, 3, 7, 2. But it means to gaze at to perceive, to contemplate, to have vision of, to behold, to look, to prophesy, to provide, and see. So that's prophecy, prophesy. Mm. That's the act. The prophet is he, a Hebrews word five zero three zero, and that word is prophecy. That prophesy. So those that prophesy, prophet. Or generally an inspired man and an example that we see one of the many because there are a lot that we see in the Old Testament of prophets working as within a team for the greater vision you in Ezra seven. So read that chapter. It's so good. But the prophets Haggai and Zechariah were appointed to help the elders of Israel prosper through prophecy and encourage them to finish the work and the commandment of God and King Darius of that time. So we see prophets specifically helping a certain individual build up the congregation with what God wanted and what that king wanted. New Testament. The words kind of change a bit, which is really cool. We've got Greek. So New Testament, you're going to have the Greek words, Greek translation. 4395 is that number. To prophesy, that's the act, is to foretell events, divine, to speak under inspiration and exercise the prophetic office. The Greek word for prophets that's most used is 4396 a foreteller, an inspired speaker, by extension, a post, the post of the prophet. So a New Testament example is how there were prophets, like a group of prophets actually appointed the apostle Paul and Barnabas to their calling. They were meeting at church and then all of a sudden the prophet started prophesying and said, those two are apostles and they need to go out. So they were within their church and they saw people that needed to be doing something for God. They saw where they were supposed to be going. And they said, hey, you should be going and doing that. And look what happened. Amen. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So they're not hoarders of people. Well, who is a prophet? Someone who has been called by God. That's the easiest way to say it. You cannot call yourself a prophet. You cannot self-appoint yourself as a prophet. It just will not go well with you. <laughs> So there are several scriptural examples about God specifically calling people and making it abundantly clear that that is the role for their life. We see that in Jeremiah 1, 4 through 7. And then 2 Samuel 3, where he was trying to sleep, and God kept calling him. Calling him, he said, Eli, are you calling me? Nope. It was God. My favorite part about that story is that Samuel was young and he was staying with this amazingly wise prophet who had fallen short years back. And the first word he ever got was a word of correction for this man of God. And it was pretty much, I'm not a good quote, but he was like, sorry, but everything that you like will be destroyed because of what that sin. And Eli was like, yep, I know. But that was the first word he gave. I want you guys to turn to Numbers twelve six. And he said, Hear not my words. If there be a prophet among you, I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision, and I will speak unto him in a dream. If you are unsure if you're supposed to be called as a prophet, the Lord will make Himself known to you. If you are praying for a prophet to come to you, God will make Himself known to you. You cannot cultivate them. God is the one who appoints and ordains. And when you stick your fingers and try to make it happen, that's when the enemy can come in and add ingredients that are not from God. So a simple definition is a prophet is a mouthpiece for God and his truth and must speak God's truth accurately and without manipulation. That is why God is the one who is the one who will appoint because it's terrifying to, in a good way, because I respect my father, but I also know that he is God there's a level of reference of like what I say and when I represent him, I need to represent him correctly. Right. Because he is worthy of that. And because he will know if I do not. So he's going to be the one of that person will do their best to represent me. A scripture God gave me a while back was 2 Chronicles eighteen thirteen, And I was finding myself... In this fighting stage of I, I don't want to speak. I don't want to speak because he was giving me words of correction left and right, and I was like, I don't. Nope. <laughs> Confrontation is not me. I do not like it. I'm not going to do it. And he gave me the scripture, and it's the prophet Micaiah, who I identified with because he had 300 prophets false prophesying to a king saying, "Go, go. You're going to be great." go chase the army. You're going to have victory. And Micaiah would be like, nope, that's a bad idea. Thus saith the Lord, you are not going to win that battle. Mm-hmm. Every time he would be the only prophet with 300 other prophets saying, you're fine. You're doing great. And Micaiah's like, nope. What? The Lord says you need to repent. And you're just sending your army to death every time. And the king actually hated whenever Micaiah came because he was like, dang it. Yeah. So this is Micaiah. So he's gone again <clears> and he's <throat> like, Oh, dang it. I got another word for the king. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so good. But the scripture that God reminded me of and it showed me is, and Micaiah said, as the Lord liveth, even what my God says, that will I speak. Mm -hmm. So regardless of how I feel about the message, I have to share. I have to share because this is what God wants to say. So as I live and as the Lord lives and as he wants to use me, I have to speak. I can't help it. And I found myself in situations where it's like, I have to speak. I can't sleep. I can't be at rest until I have this conversation. And another example is Jeremiah 29. He was having to give so many words of correction. And he finally was like, I'm done. I'm not going to speak anymore because all you ever do is make me say repent and turn from your ways and now they won't kill me and they've got people waiting for me to mess up so he actually said this and i love it because it mirrors my own heart (laughs) Uh, then i said i will not make mention of him nor speak his name anymore in his name but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones and i was weary with forbearing and i could not stay That was me, it's like, I don't wanna do this, but I cannot resist it because the words are in my heart and I can't stop. So sometimes prophets have to do difficult things for the sake of being obedient to God. That's why it shouldn't be taken lightly. Mm -hmm. That's why you don't wanna jump into it without knowing that he's called you because it's a journey Mm. and it's a wonderful journey. But sometimes it's not pleasant. But discomfort can breed the best freedom and result. From me to have an uncomfortable interaction to maybe have God break through and bring freedom and hope and faith. Isn't that better? Yes. So I'm working on it. I'm working on cultivating that boldness in love. Yeah. But boy, sometimes he gives me word and I'm like why <laughs> that one He's like, yep and I'll be like all right and then he's like next week it's happening and then the person comes to me what do you think about this well <laughs> since you asked <laughs> so I want to mention something and I was afraid to mention this but I'm going to go for it I want to establish a truth for you guys that combats a lie that I've come across that I believed myself there is no evidence Whatsoever in the word that says being an overly emotional person helps you hear from God any more than another person. It takes an emotionally stable person to handle and do and say what God wants without wavering or altering the message or dumbing it down. You have to be so focused on what God wants to do that you put aside what you think, feel, or expect because God's plans are higher than my plans. Ron is dancing in the back. I submit to you that prophets must learn to quiet their emotions better than anyone else in order to accurately discern what God is saying and so that they can better act and speak without fear and without distorting the original message. Because that's what, it's the mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. I refuse to let my fear alter what God's truth should be. It's terrifying, but that's what I believe. And Ron has seen me practice learning to quiet my emotions. Me 10 years ago is not the same me that now. I used to be up and down, and then I realized I could better serve God if I was consistent. I could better speak faith in myself and be an example to people around me if I wasn't rocking the boat here and there. If I knew exactly what God wanted to say, and if I stayed true, I could do it. The enemy can use emotions to alter the message. If a prophet is tasked with bringing a word of correction to the body or an individual within the body, they need to be firmly rooted in the fruits of the spirit to best exemplify the heart of who they are speaking for. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, patience, self-control. Against such there is no law. Amen. So why root yourself to something that is here today, gone tomorrow? Yeah. Root yourself to truth, which doesn't change. Mm-hmm. God is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. I'm going to root to that fact. Proverbs 25:28 says, He that has no rule over his spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. Mm-hmm. I'm putting my walls up. Because I want to be effective. I don't want to be distracted by emotions. Mm. That doesn't mean I don't have emotions. I will cry for you. God will have me cry for people and then I bring them up and out. Not in a prideful way of like, I feel things. I'm allowed to feel things. I'm not arguing for stoicism. Mm. I'm arguing for discernment. And sometimes we have to do things we don't like. So why not just get practice if I'm going to do it, whether I like it or not. I'm going to be effective. Hyper-reliance on emotions do not enable the prophetic, but it can easily open doors to familiar and (coughs) antichrist spirits, bringing divination and double-mindedness into the body of Christ. This is why it's important Mm. to know who you are speaking for and what he wants to say and how the enemy will try to skew it. Yeah. It's important. First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try and test the spirits to see whether they are of God, mm-hmm. because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Mm-hmm. But you know what I love? That scripture says you can try and test the spirits. How do we identify false prophets and prophecies? If we're supposed to be testing the spirits, if we're supposed to be trying. Number one, they do not confess Jesus Christ came in the flesh, and that is an antichrist statement. They won't say it. 1 John 4, 1 through 3 is that reference for that point. They, re- they refuse. They can't because that's praising and acknowledging God's victory. Number two, they rely on the schemes and performances Rituals, dancing, and cutting to be able to be more spiritual and to prophesy. God's prophets will not look like that, nor need to rely on rituals. They don't have to cultivate it because they are so rooted to who they're serving that they're already there. That scripture is 1 Kings 18. Number three, they have adopted the same mystic rituals of the surrounding nations. Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 12. When you are come into the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or daughter to pass through the fire that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a fortune teller, or a magician, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or Or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God does drive them out before you. So, what had happened in Deuteronomy is that the prophets of Israel looked and saw how other people were being diviners and said, That looks nice. I'm going to put the Lord's sticker on it and call it myself, and we're going to move forward, and I'm going to be God's anointed. That's what's happening. Beware of fortune-telling and mentalist mentalities. Those are going to be people who are acting as prophets, or anybody really, that are going to lead you with their questioning. They're going to be reading your body language, and they're going to be using stereotypes, personality stereotypes, based off of your clothing. They're going to try to zero in from a broad perspective to a narrow perspective to try to give you a word that's accurate and for you. This is actually a technique from fortune tellers. I've experienced prophetic people, prophets, use this technique on me. It's actually a technique called cold reading. So another thing you can use to identify false prophets and prophecies is they speak visions from their own heart. They're creating it out of their own heart, something they're, they're learning or they thought about. They're just making it happen. That scripture is Jeremiah 23, verses 16 through 17. Back in Deuteronomy 18, it says when somebody speaks something that doesn't happen, and it's not the thing that the Lord has spoken, they've spoken it arrogantly, presumptuously, and you don't need to be afraid of them. I love it. You shall not be afraid of him. So we don't have to be afraid of people speaking false. Because sometimes that's just the journey they're in. They seduce the people with false peace and partial healing, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. There's never full restoration. I have three scriptures for that. Ezekiel 13, verse 10, Jeremiah 8, 11. Jeremiah 6, 14. They actually strengthen evildoers and do not provide a call to repentance or a call to action with their words. God normally is an if, and, or, but kind of guy. If you will do this, then this will happen. And, but, careful. Amen. But there normally is a, I see where you're at. Make this change, and then this will happen. There's always make a change. Hmm. Normally, that change is trust me more. Turn away from this. Choose life. Hmm. There's normally a call to action where false prophecies, you can sit, it's okay to sit. We're just going to rest. We're just going to sit here and we're going to fester and we're never going to grow and we're going to be stagnant. You don't need to change anything. We're good right here. That scripture is Jeremiah 23, 13 through 15. Another one is an exhibitionist prideful mentality coming out of a need to be seen. They have to be seen. Look at me, I'm a prophet. I have a word for you. I see this a lot where an individual conversation that has to be between someone who's encouraging a person who needs a one-on-one encouragement, they'll give a word in the congregation of I have a word for you. When God wants to show that person that they're cared for on a one-on-one basis as a loving father, there's a difference between words for the body And words for individuals and time and place is super important but someone who needs to be seen is going to make that time and place with as many people looking as possible normally after someone else gave a word or someone else had a wonderful song it's a reaction that verse is acts 16 16 through 18 do you guys remember that that lady who was prophesying after who was it the fortune teller girl who was uh, yelling after paul and barnabas these, yeah. are, these are men of god hear them hear them yeah good message but she was dancing around them doing it and they finally <laughs> called her out ultimately false prophets will not profit the people at all and god will destroy them so we don't have to worry about it he will take care of them so it's not my job to point out this is a false prophet this is a false prophet I'm supposed to do my due diligence to make sure what I'm saying is truth and to own up if I mess up. That verse is Jeremiah 23 verses 30 through 32. All of those things I just listed, I used to participate in because someone came up to me ages ago and said, I think you should be a prophet. And I said, I don't know what that looks like. Let me make it happen. Let me cultivate it. I gave false prophecies that have people in bondage they weren't rooted in truth they weren't rooted in anything because of emotions because of environment because of feeling there are people that i've led astray because of ignorance i've repented for it but because of that i was so afraid to ever do that again i was quenching the spirit i don't want you guys to do that i don't want you to be afraid So I I hope that you can use the above parameters to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Matthew 10, 16, use your discernment. Just because someone, myself years ago, produced a counterfeit in the past does not mean we stop pursuing truth and the gifts. I'm really excited to see me coming out of that fear to let God use me again, to trust him to lead me. Jeremiah twenty three twenty eight says, the prophet that has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. That's my heart, that I speak his word faithfully in any way he chooses to speak to me. So how does God speak to prophets to establish the church? There's a lot of different ways God can speak to us. Which is awesome. He can use a donkey. He can use. No matter what avenue God speaks to a prophet through, the purpose always goes back to the edification, exhortation, and comfort of the church. Always. So no matter what avenue that a prophet uses, a dream, a song, a vision, whatever. A prophetic word. It should always go back to edifying the church and not them. Ways he speaks. Prophetic words. Words of wisdom. Wisdom and or words of knowledge by faith that's important Amen. prophetic dreams and interpretations visions specifically by the ministry of the prophets and bringing those visions back to the church so someone's operating as a prophet within a body God shows him a vision that is for the edification of the body and then the prophet takes that back to the body and says here's what I saw for the church let's make it happen Foretelling events and or predicting what is to come by the Spirit. That's important. By the Spirit. You can't make it happen. You can't cultivate it. It happens. I'm going to read you a scripture of that example because that was one of the things I was like, (gasps) foretellers. That was one of the things I had a hard time with. I was like, I only know fortune tellers and bad techniques and whatever. But there's an example. Acts 11 verses 27 through 28 And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem to Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified, indicated by the spirit that there should be great famine throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. It's in the word. I can't deny it. I actually know when I was going to teach this teaching, it was my first one I told that. So when we were talking about fivefold ministry, God was like, it's time to get your notes ready. I was like, but I'm not done. He was like, it's time you to get your notes ready because you will be speaking two weeks after Ron introduces the um, outline of the fivefold ministry. We hadn't had like, a leadership meeting because of Christmas and everything. So finally we get down and we talk about it. And it was like, all right, we're going to go in the way that the Word is doing it. So we're going to do the outline, apostle, prophet. And that's what happened. So I'm ready. Like, all right, God, I guess you speak to me sometimes that way. Okay, I'll get okay with it. Uh, Another way God can speak to people is through a trance. This is not a mindless meditative trance. In scriptures, the way that the trances came about is that they were completely and 100% focused on what God was showing them. He shut out the entire rest of the world so that they could focus completely and wholly on him. It is not empty your mind. Anybody that tells you to empty your mind is not from God. The true definition of trance in the Greek is to take out of a regular position, standing, and bring into a state of ecstasy, rapture, like a person carried out in trance like amazement. The state of mind reaches far beyond the powers of an ordinary perception. Sometimes he has to take you out of the ordinary physical limiting to get you to focus on the spiritual perspective. God can speak to you whichever way he chooses. He's God. But we can be wise to figure out if who's actually speaking to us is God or not God. How awesome. How the office of the prophet empowers the body of Christ. That's the meat of this all. Mm. The office of the prophet should bring correction through prophecy They release the promise and they remind God's people of their identities. That's in Ezekiel 34. The prophet will reveal through prophecy the heart and character of Father God. Ezekiel 36. The prophet will find and appoint God's selected leaders and will send them into their calling, Acts 13, like with Paul and Barnabas. Send them into their calling. A prophet, through discernment, can confront spiritual strongholds, a person up and out of bondage and back into alignment with God by providing a heavenly perspective that contradicts their physical reality. Prophets will not let you sit in their junk because God doesn't want you to stay in your junk. Because he's a loving father. He wants you to have the best that you possibly can. He wants you up and out. He wants you clean. He wants you free. And he will use prophets to do that. You'll find that scripture in 2 Samuel 12 is actually Nathan calling David out. I love the way he did that because he came and said, David, we have a problem. There's an individual who's doing this and this and this, and it's actually hurting Israel. And David's like, dang it, that's not good. We got to take care of this. We got to bring him back. And he's like, oh, by the way, that person's you. And David was like, well, dang it. All right, it's time for me to go deal, go forth and repent and move on. I love the way that happened. I was like, wow. that's Okay, Nathan. Uh, (laughs) But he called him back to his true perspective, his true alignment. You're doing something crazy. God wants you back here and it will go well for you and for your people. I want to say this. A true prophet or someone who's going to be operating as a true prophet will not just point out your flaws. They will constantly remind you of who you are and who God wants you to be and where he wants you to be. If they only point a negative, they're just using discernment as an opportunity to accuse. Another thing that the prophet will do, this is my favorite thing, is to bring the prophet's reward to their community. The definition of a prophet's reward means to see and to hear what the spirit is doing and saying and reward the community. Because that's when you get miracles. That's when you get bondage being completely obliterated. That's like nights like tonight. It was so good. I love it. The prophet's reward, they're not here for them. They're here for the body. That scripture is Matthew 10, 41. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. It's my heart that through my obedience, I can pour out that blessing. Prophets and apostles build the foundation for the body, and they establish the vision from the heavenly perspective. The heavenly perspective, what God wants to have happen where God's leading Ephesians 2 20 says and the are as in the church are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone it always goes Jesus is the word so everything aligns with the word the prophet should align with the word his words or her words should align with the word so they should be in the word Actively reading, actively discovering, so that they are accurate and they know who they're representing. A prophetic word or vision by a prophet imparts faith and propels miracles into existence. Through their obedience to hearing God's direction, the church can be freed from dead works and transform the body into capable, mighty warriors for the kingdom. This is from Ezekiel 37. So Ezekiel came across dry bones from an army, an entire army of bones. They were dead, no meat, completely like mummified, whatever. That whole army was completely restored. Ligaments, muscles. If you read that story, it's incredible, but God wants that to be his body. Any dried bones, fully, completely restored, all of the muscles strengthened, and then go out. Prophets will normally, hopefully, tell you to go out and go forth for God. Because if you know who God is, you have no fear about it, and you know what He's calling you to do, and you're going to do it. It's amazing. In summary, prophets who are operating under the fivefold should always be listening and discerning what God is saying and share it with the church liberally, both in encouragement and in correction for the sake of freedom. Every act by the office of the prophet should unleash the prophet's reward to the body of Christ while bringing about God's vision. However God decides to use the prophet, everything must be done in love and for the edification of the church.